Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSillaCast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, March 1st, 2020, and this is show number 773. Well, I'm sitting here recording all by myself with my uh, road mic over at Lindsay's house, where uh, today uh, Lindsay's husband and I finished painting their new baby's room. So that's fun, except we had every technology meltdown you can possibly imagine trying to do the live show. So I'm sitting here kind of lonely all by myself talking into the mic. But lonely or not, we've got a big show ready for you, so let's just kick in. This week on Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, I had the great pleasure of meeting Robin Christofferson. Robin is the host of the Alexa Skills podcast called Dot to Dot, and he's co-host of the weekly tech talk show from the Royal National Institute of Blind People. Robin is also head of digital inclusion and part of the globally acclaimed accessibility and tech team of AbilityNet, and he's spoken at numerous events in recent years. In a most uplifting conversation, Robin focused on how the advancements in technology have made such a huge difference in the lives of people with disabilities, and not just blind people. He talked about people with MS, for example. He has the perspective of an advocate for those with disabilities, and he sprinkles in stories about his own life and abilities and disabilities. I had great fun, and I expect this isn't the last time you'll hear from Robin on Chit Chat Across the Pond. You can listen to this episode in the Chit Chat Across the Pond light feed in your podcatcher of choice, or you can listen right over at podfeed.com, Chit Chat Across the Pond light episode number 627. You may remember at CES that we did an interview with a company that had a bar station for your house. This is actually a second one, but it's the first one we actually recorded. It gets very confusing when we release these out of order. But anyway, I'd like you to learn about Bartesian. Well, I don't drink enough, so I thought I'd stop by the booth for the Bartesian. Bartesian. Bartesian, yeah. sorry. Neil is already correcting me here. Neil McVicker, yes, correct? that's me. All right, so what are we looking at here? Sure. So this is Bartesian. Um, you keep it stocked with the brands of your choice, uh, the foundational spirits, whiskey, vodka, rum, gin, tequila. And there's also a water source back here. Now, our capsules have all of the... Uh, juices and bitters and extracts, all of the components above and beyond the spirits that go into making a premium cocktail. So I should explain to the audio-only listeners as well that basically we're looking at a Keurig for cocktails, right? Uh, you wouldn't be the first person to make that comparison, absolutely. Absolutely. So on the, uh, on the screen here, you've, mm. got, uh, you've got a display and then you're, you've got a, this, what did you call these little capsule, capsules? Capsules? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So that says pear nectar? Uh, this is it says paper plane. Yes, paper it's a, plane. It's a okay. relatively. It's a modern cocktail. It was actually only. It's only about three years old. Oh, I'm old. But I gotta. It, I gotta find out about. Become it. a classic, though. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah, essentially the process. I'll just get this capsule out. So Bloomingdale. So he just took out the capsule, and he's got a. Uh, it's maybe twice the size of a Keurig is the way I would describe uh, it's, it. It's. Uh, I don't know about twice the size, but. Uh, twice the width, maybe. Oh, okay. And it's it's four upside down bottles of the uh, the four different liquors that you can put in right that's correct so it can in one of the slots can be uh, either gin or rum so we can accommodate five spirits uh four of them at one at any one time all right so um he's going to uh try to, he's making a lot of drinks he needs a place to get rid of them all is the only problem all right so he's he's putting a uh uh what looks I'm, I'm, i make martinis in right. these shaker right okay. so yeah shaker uh, then I've taken my uh, my cocktail capsule here. And 
Oh, and it's got a barcode on the top of Absolutely. it, right? Absolutely. So I close the lid, and you can see it's identified the drink already. It says place shaker with ice under the dispenser. That's it correct. says next. Oh, can I'll I push it? Oh, oh, I wanted to okay, do well, it. Well, you can do is hit, hit light. We'll make a light one. Are you sure? Yeah, because we've got... Uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there we go. That is not my drink. Now I'm just saying. Okay. And you can we'll complete. see it's drawing from the whiskey here. All right. So the whiskey is, uh, is draining quickly. It's also drawing from the water. And what's important also is that each spirit draws from its own line. So that way, if we did a margarita next... The tequila isn't going over the same line that the whiskey just traveled over. That would be nasty. Right. So you buy these, uh, the little capsules, and you uh, you buy these, you put your own liquor in them. Right. And, and the advantage of this, I heard you saying earlier to someone, is that you don't have to buy all the weird little ingredients to exactly. make cocktails. Exactly. So when you think of how many times you might have had, say, a New Year's Eve party, and you bought a big tin of pineapple juice, only to use a couple ounces that night, and the rest of it is growing fur in your fridge a couple of days later. Yeah, yeah, well, how did you know that? <laughs> well, it's a very common occurrence. Uh, but you take that and all of those components, some of them are really obscure. You wouldn't even know where to get, say, a lavender extract, for example. All of those components uh, are taken care of in the capsule. The only thing you need to provide are the base spirits themselves. That is really, really cool. So you buy, you buy packs of them. Here's Negroni cocktail mix. We got a mint julep cocktail. Sazerac. That sounds like something uh, that was a stone in uh, Infinity Stones. It's the Tesseract, I think, right? Oh, we got a Gimlet. Mm -hmm. This is really, really slick. So is, uh, is this on the market yet? It is. It's available on Bartesian.com, and we're expanding retail partners. We're on Amazon, uh, Bloomingdale's, Bed Bath & Beyond, Best Buy, Dillard's, and it will be growing rapidly throughout the year. What's the price point on this? Uh, 349 Hey, that's not bad. Absolutely. That is, uh, I thought this was going to be one of those crazy expensive things. All that liquor is what's going to cost me the money. Yeah, but, but think of the money I'm going to save on pineapple juice, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly that. Saving money right here. Already, right? saving money already. And the, and the capsules are recyclable, which is very important as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very good. Absolutely. Okay, so Bartesian.com. That's it, that's right. it. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, my pleasure. Let's switch gears a little bit, and we've got a review by first-time reviewer Craig Passman. But I'd like to tell you why Craig and his family are near and dear to my heart. Craig's wife, Leslie, is a crocheting fiend. I thought I crocheted a lot. But anyway, she crochets all kinds of creative things, and she actually crocheted a Baby Yoda for me. Now, I probably should let Forbes have it, but I don't. Uh, anyway, she crocheted this for me, and it's absolutely adorable. And yes, I know it's not Baby Yoda. I know that it's the child. It's actually the same species, but only 15 years old. But I'm sorry. I'm going to call it Baby Yoda. Anyway, Craig's wife, Leslie, was kind enough to make that for us, and then she made a couple of stuffed Fs for Forbes that he absolutely loved, so at least he gets to play with those. Anyway, let's listen to Craig's fabulous review. Thank you, Allison. Let me start with the problem to be solved. I was looking for a solution that would let me use my Apple TV to watch live HD content using an over-the-air or OTA antenna. It was not my intention to use this as a full cord coding solution. Rather, I was looking for something to watch TV when, say, my cable TV goes out due to fiber cuts or water and gas line installations. Also, living in Florida, to have something if broadband goes completely down, say, due to hurricanes. My criteria was for a solution that would allow me to watch over-the-air channels on my Apple TV. A secondary criteria was a solution that would have no monthly recurring costs. In considering crafting the solution, I ultimately determined that this would be broken down into two activities. 
First, how to obtain HD stations over the air using an OTA antenna, and second, how to watch those OTA channels on my Apple TV. Let's cover these one at a time. So, to obtain over-the-air content, I first need an inexpensive over-the-air antenna, and the good news is they are readily available from Amazon. There are many, many choices, and they often show 25-mile or 50-mile or 60-mile coverage, usually costing less than $30. It's been my experience that no matter how many miles advertised, they pretty much all do a good job, unless you live far away from where the OTA channels are broadcast. In those cases, you may need an external roof-mounted OTA antenna, or maybe install the inside antenna in an attic space. Reception may also be dependent upon the elevation of your house, direction to the broadcast locations, or any obstructions, say, such as mountains in the way. For most that live anywhere close to a city, the inexpensive wall-mounted versions work well. I then needed some type of TV capture device, referred to as a tuner. The tuner would connect to the OTA antenna on one side, via coax, and connect to my home network on the other side, via an Ethernet connection. Tuners come in different configurations, such as dual tuner or quad tuner. The number of tuners is important, because this means that you can watch TV and record shows at the same time, just like with any cable TV provider. Silicon Dust is a company that offers several models, and I settled on the ones called HD Home Run Connect, intended for use with OTA antennas. At present, you can buy the HD Home Run Connect Duo 2-tuner box for about $79 and the Connect Quattro 4-tuner box for about $149. I opted to go with the Connect Quattro and get the 4-tuners just because more is better, right? I should mention that while some of the tuners do include an OTA antenna in the box, buying a better OTA antenna from Amazon would be my recommendation. Some OTA antennas, the ones covering larger distances, have a power injector to enhance reception. I'm not sure about how well that actually amplifies the signal, and I really pretty much think they do the same thing, maybe even with or without the power injector. Installation of the HD Home Run Tuner was an extremely simple activity. After mounting the OTA antenna on the wall of my office, I simply connected the coax on one side of the tuner and then connected the other side via an Ethernet cable to my home router. Setup and config from there was a breeze, accomplished by connecting to the website my.hdhomerun.com. The tuner was automatically detected and channels were located, listed, and could be kept or removed from the active channel lineup. In my case, I was able to receive HD stations clearly from CBS, ABC, and NBC, along with some lesser-known SD channels that seemed to come along for the ride. Only Fox, in my case, was not able to be received clearly, and I eventually found out that was because the local Fox affiliate was still using an older broadcast frequency transmitter. So be aware that you may not get all the networks. By the way, while not required for my solution, there is an HD Home Run Mac app available, free and downloadable from the HD Home Run website, and it allows you to watch live TV on a Mac. Lastly, occasionally going to the my.hdhomerun.com website is valuable because it will refresh the channel lineup and it will also notify you about and download new versions of the firmware running on the tuner. As an aside, you may be wondering how to know exactly what OTA channels are available in your area. A variety of websites can be found by googling OTA stations near me. These sites will typically ask for your address and or zip code and then show you a listing of channels and where located and often the signal strength to your location. My favorite of all these websites is called tvfool.com. That's tvfool.com. It offers mapping and lots of details on location, distance, signal strength, and even elevation information to get the best reception. I consider it the most geeky of the sites that provide OTA channel information. 
but you don't need to worry about all of that because the MyHDHomeRun.com setup will automatically detect the OTA stations, so it's just plug and play. Perhaps more a plug and pray if you don't live close to or in a metropolitan area. Okay, so now we have installed an OTA antenna, a tuner box, connected it to our network, and can use the HD Home Run web and client apps to receive HD content and watch it on our Mac as a proof point. I consider this the first milestone. And if you only need to watch OTA stations on your Mac, you can stop here and call it a day. The next step is to enable our Apple TV to serve up live stations using the previously installed tuner and the OTA antenna. My research concluded that the two best-of-breed solutions were an Apple TV app named Channels and also one named Tableau TV. I opted for the Channels app because the on-screen guide experience seems to be superior to Tableau, in my opinion. However, I think lots of folks are happy and use either. As an aside, for those of you that use Plex, Plex Pass includes an add-on called Plex Live TV and DVR. But in my view, it's a poor UI on the Apple TV, and the Plex Live TV grid guide is slow and buggy. However, it is functional and included and free if you have a Plex Pass. Back to my solution. Channels on Apple TV costs about $25 one time. You can learn more at the website getchannels.com. Also, there is a free companion iOS application and also a premium version available by monthly subscription or annual prepay, which includes DVR capabilities. More on that later. The Channels TV app is available in the Apple TV App Store and downloads and installs easily. When first launching, it will automatically scan and detect any tuner you have on your home network, in my case the HD Home Run Tuner. From there, it is seamless and presents a grid-style guide on screen and works just like any cable TV grid guide for channel lineup selection. It also has a sidebar that allows filtering by HD, SD, or all channels. I've not personally used Tableau TV, but know it's used by many. My preference is channels because it just works, and the grid guide is very easy to navigate, and the app launches quickly on the Apple TV. Okay, so now the problem is solved. We have an OTA antenna attached to a tuner on our home network and a seamless app on the Apple TV for watching the over-the-air broadcast channels. There's even the bonus of receiving full native HD content, which is often compressed as switched digital video on many cable TV systems and set-top boxes. So if you have a high-end TV, watching native HD content over the air can be as clear as Blu-ray 4K media. A few final notes about DVR capabilities. I mentioned that getting a two-way or four-way tuner allows for watching and recording HD shows at the same time. While Plex Live TV and DVR is included with Plex Pass as mentioned, I will again say the UI is very poor and the DVR playback on Apple TV is just awful. So back to my solution, both HD Home Run and Channels TV have DVR add-ons. But if you want a one-stop shop interface for live TV viewing and DVR recording and viewing on the Apple TV, make sure to not use the HD Home Run DVR because channels cannot access those recordings. So you need to make sure you use the Channels DVR add-on, which installs easily on a Mac and costs about $8 monthly or $80 yearly, so a little bit expensive. Channels DVR server does work on the popular Synology NAS, and more information is available at the previously mentioned GetChannels.com website. Lastly, I recently learned that in mid-2019, Channels TV Everywhere was announced, which supposedly lets you watch and record streaming content from many streaming providers in addition to OTA channels all within the channel's ecosystem. That sounds exciting, and I will be looking into that and will report back. Okay, that's it. Hoping you found this helpful and useful, and now back to the show.
Well, I think that was fantastic, Craig, especially as your first review. That was really, really interesting. I never even realized that there was a way to watch over-the-air TV using an Apple TV. Very, very cool. Let's head back over to CES for an interview with a company with something that is very much a concept and something that we won't get to play with right away, but is really, really interesting, I thought. Last night, we talked to somebody about doing infrared charging. Today, we're going to talk to uh, Ali Hajimiri about Guru, which is millimeter wave uh, wireless charging. What do you have to show us here today? So we are using millimeter wave uh, uh, signals and waves to transfer energy from a source, what we call a generation unit, to a device. And you can use this energy, wireless power, for charging devices or powering them, any kind of device, anything from your phone, from your mouse, kind of like your keyboard, or any IoT device. And what we can do, we can do it without any moving parts. We use our what we call the RF lensing, smart RF lensing. We can create these very small focus points and focus the energy in one area, which basically enables you to transfer the energy where you want and nowhere else. So you're not wasting a lot of energy by flooding a whole room with it or you know heating you up or whatever, but it just goes targeted to specific spots, right? Exactly. It goes exactly where you want and when you want and as much as you want and not nowhere else. All right. So, so we have audio listeners as well. So we've got a big guru thing above us on a, a false ceiling, and then we've got a couple of charging pads here, or battery banks. Oh yeah. So what I call we call this we call them recovery units, RUs. So so this is a demonstration of how you can actually recover. This can be incorporated into your device, but right. Now now we are, as a demonstration, we are using it as a separate thing. And what you can see is that the energy is highly localized. So what you see here is that basically we are sending energy to this particular place. And as you can point, what you can see is that it's going just there and nowhere else. So now... So he's moving one of these recovery devices over the pad and it's lighting up when he gets there. Exactly. And you can actually feel the, 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 the heat, heat from it, right? Right, exactly. So what you can see is that actually you can actually even transfer it from one location to another location. So if you actually hit it and, and ask it to transfer from one location without any moving action, you can go from one place to another. So you, we are now going from pad one to pad two. So what you can see... So those, is, aren't, those aren't optical lenses that are moving, no, right? it's all electronically controlled. So it's electronic steering. And what that does, it basically sends the energy from it by controlling the timing it sends the energy exactly where you need. So for example, what you can see here is that you can actually see that it's concentrated in this area. And you can see it's very, very narrow focus, right? And you can see it's a very concentrated area of energy. Right, right. And what it is, is that it's nowhere else. It's not on you, it's not on me, it's anywhere else. And you know what you can do, the other thing is that you can actually send it from one location to another by selecting a different location. Now it's here. So he's just, he's just switched to the other receiver. Location, right? Yes, exactly. Location. And I think what, what happened right now is that they're kind of... So what the other thing that it does, it basically activates the... So it has a safety mechanism. So if you actually get in the way, and if you want to kind of control it after a couple of seconds, say, oh, I'm being blocked, so it shuts it down. Oh, so you okay. don't expose people unnecessarily. Although this, this is radio signals that we, we believe are basically safe for from an operation because they're non-ionizing. Right. But also why waste it, right? Correct, exactly. So how do you turn it off if I wanted to now not be wasting any of that oh, energy? So so the device only transmits energy when there is a device that says, I need energy. So oh, it will okay. have to be an active request. So this is an active... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so without an active request, there would not be any transfer of power. To I the got device. you. Yeah. Okay. We're going to cut here and we're going to go to another location and see right. something else cool okay. in the same area. All right. 
All right, so what we have here is what we call a Rovi. So it's basically a roving generation unit. So this is a robot that's actually used to charge and send energy to other devices. So the idea here is that you have one of these things in your house or in your retail store, and it moves around, finds devices that need energy and power, and they, it, it will send power to them. So for example, right now, this is powering this light bulb that here, you can see that I have a light bulb that's on, and if I put my hand in front of it, you can see that it's actually wirelessly powered from that because I can block it by doing that. All right, There's I'm no gonna battery. get down here. I'm looking around. There's no batteries. There's no wires. Yeah. A light bulb is lit up because the Rovi uh, is, is pointed at. Exactly, it's transmitting energy to it. And the Rovi can go from one location to another location and finds another device. There it goes, it's moving down, it's gonna turn the corner down here, it's gonna go over to another light bulb. Right. This is very exciting. And what's happening is that the device goes and finds the next a thing that's requesting it. Exactly, so the next device that's requesting power and basically going there from here. And, and what you see here is that it's basically sending it and sending power to this this device. And now you can see that this it's this device that's being wirelessly powered. So, so the robot came up, turned a corner, and then turned itself and rotated until it was pointed at the device that was requesting power. Exactly. And the idea here is that you have something like this in your home, and it's kind of like going around and watering your plants. So automatically goes around, and at night or during the off hours, it goes and finds devices. Like that one of those vacuums. Exactly. Like, and and then it would go around and find it and operate. And whenever it runs low on power, it goes and charges itself. And then it comes back around. The labor savings in a business, exactly. I could see that being a and, lot. And, you know, you can think about it both both at home and as well as retail stores or warehouses where you need, you have a lot of devices that right now are being operated off of a battery. All of the smart devices, smart home devices, all of the IOTs. And now what you have is that you, have, you don't have to worry about them because there's somebody constantly taking care of them, which is this little Rovi. So now we haven't actually talked about loss. So, so transmitting the energy over the air is going to have loss. Right. What, how efficient is this? It's quite, the transfer over air for this frequency is very efficient for the distances we are talking about. We are going over tens of meters and, and, and like tens of feet and all those things. And what happens is that at these distances, the loss at the frequencies we are talking about is quite low. Now, if you go very, what's quite low? Give me a number here. The loss in the air is very small. It's actually like a couple of percent. So, so, so. But, but what happens is that once you get farther than a certain distance, depending on the size of what we call the recovery unit, which is the, the unit that actually controls the rec re recovers the power, and depending on the size of that, a, a fraction of that power will be recovered. So if you go far and farther and farther, it's just a law of physics, you will drop in terms of the amount of power that you receive. But over distances that the system is designed for, a good fraction of that power is recovered. So, and by good fraction, again, you mean a couple, so the, just a couple percent? So I would say no. I mean, so it, 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 from the, the power that's radiated, kind of sent out, transmitted, to the power that's kind of recovered, you're thinking about something like 50% or one-five. 50% uh, 50% loss no 50% of that power would be recovered okay. it turned into DC power but it okay, gives so that's it 50% loss isn't it no, correct yes okay. it, yes it is okay. yes and, and what it does it basically is, is a way of it, what it gives you the convenience of moving around and basically being able to have an powering of the devices going from a an active activity that you have to think about okay. remember yeah, yeah old, definitely right remember, back to remember, the robot yeah remember the old days where we had to go and actively download our emails and now it happens in the background. So we are making charging and turning it from an active activity to a passive background activity. That sounds nice. That sounds nice. Let's move on to the next station. Right. Very good.
All right, now we're at station three. Yes, and this is what we call a desk unit. So this is a smaller version of our room system that we saw uh, earlier. And what it is, is basically a system that you can put on your desk. This is a prototype of the system that you can put on a desk and you can charge, use it to power and charge all of your devices from your phone to your, uh, let's say, laptop to your uh, mouse and keyboard, wireless mice and keyboards, things of that sort. For the audio people, what we're seeing here looks like a uh, like an old overhead projector. If anybody's old enough to know what those yeah, look like, or like a, a, a bigger kind of like a desk lamp or something yeah, yeah, like, like that. Like a large desk lamp. Yes. And, and then what happens is that now I'm pushing button number one, basically telling it to power, send power to that light. So that light bulb, there's no battery in it. We are just sending, transferring. And the light bulb just requested. Yes, yeah. correct. And then it, is turn, it has turned on. The light bulb is a, is a kind of like a decent sized light bulb. It's not one of those tiny ones, and it's basically getting powered through this device. And then what you can do, if I push another button, basically it's telling it to send it to the phone now. And what you can see here, now the phone charging um, is showing. So basically, I like your graphics of the uh, battery charging yeah, there. Exactly. So when he pressed the button towards the phone, there's the, uh, he's got a folio and you've got one of the detectors, uh, one of the receivers Correct. there on the, uh, on the folio case. Exactly. And basically that recovery unit is recovering the power that's being generated here and feeding it to the phone. And the phone is using it to charge itself right okay. now. And then you can have it for small IoT devices. You can see the little tiny strip on the left-hand side that says Guru on it. And that that's tiny strip, that's unit? the recovery oh, unit. So you can, can see tiny. Like half the size of my, my uh, little finger. Exactly. And then that's basically just not, not only powering that display, but also charging the battery inside that. So this is like a surrogate. This is an example of a what we an IoT device would look like and what right, the requirement. Right. So you have something that small that can attach to your IoT device. You can think about it as your uh, camera, the wireless camera or security sure. camera. Because security cameras, they're wired. They call them wireless, but they still need to be plugged in. So you right. can have something like that, and then you can have them basically operating or your sensors or any kind of device. Now these distances would you have a lot less loss? This be more efficient? Yeah, all of these distances that you're talking about, as long as they are several, like, ten, like tens of feet, the, 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 the distance is basically, the loss is pretty low for that. Okay, kind of that's thing. not the biggest factor. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, this is very cool. If people yeah. want to learn more about it, where do they find these uh, so, this technology? So they can look at our webpage, which is guru.inc. G-U-R-U.inc. I-N-C? I-N-C, yes. Okay. And uh, so, so that's our webpage, and they can also contact info at, contact us at info at guru.inc. Uh, and they can find a lot of information about it, or they can come to our booth at 41558 uh, at uh, CES. Great. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. your time, Ali. Thank you very much. Well, like I said up front, this one's still very much in the concept phase. I was a little anxious at one point. He let me put my my hand to interrupt the beam, which was very much like what the guy did when I was uh, interrupting the beam for infrared. And the millimeter wave thing, that hurt a little bit. It was actually quite warm when I interrupted the beam. So I don't know about this one. This seems like a lot of loss, but um, I like that people are trying to think up new ways to do power delivery. This week, Philip Donato signed up to be a patron of the Podfeet podcast. I took a look at his email address and it ended in at free.fr. Now, .fr is France. As I composed a letter of thanks to him for financially supporting the shows with a very generous pledge, I noted that to my knowledge, he was our first French patron. I really liked his response. He wrote back, good thought about the French patron, but my free.fr email is a bit deceptive. We live in France 40% of the time, and Freebox is our French internet provider. So you have a 40% French patron. 
Anyway, if you'd like to be the first 40% representative of your country, region, or town, please consider going to podfeet.com slash Patreon and signing up to help the show. Thank you, Philip, for your generosity. I don't know about you, but Steve and I are finding it harder and harder to keep track of what TV programs we're watching. Now, perhaps this doesn't qualify as a top-tier concern in our lives, but when you want to relax with a program and, you know, shut your brain off from the world, you don't want it to be complicated. In the old days, and I mean really old days, remember we had like three TV stations on our TVs? You could easily flip between the three and you watched whatever was on. Over time, that became more channels than three, but you knew the station and time to find out who shot JR. Then cable TV came into the world, and that's when the anarchy really began. There were too many channels to keep track of, and TV started to become stressful. Even with all those stations, though, at least you had predictable seasons you could depend on. You knew what the, or that the new shows started in the fall, and by summer you were stuck with reruns if you didn't want to go outside and play. But then the streaming channels started and things got completely out of control. Now we have way too much choice and it's completely unpredictable. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, a season for a TV show was around 26 episodes long. Now a season might only be eight episodes like Russian Doll. It might even be three. I'm still angry that Sherlock was so short. We aren't even cord cutters, so we've got network TV shows, plus Netflix, Hulu, CBS All Access, HBO, Disney Plus, and now Apple TV Plus. I can't tell you how many times I've found out that a favorite show has come back for a new season months ago and I didn't even know about it. On the flip side, really often we've been watching a series, gotten distracted by another show, and completely forgotten that we were enjoying the first one. I've tried to use services like Yidio that are supposed to track what you're watching, but those guys are motivated to show you more shows to watch, so it's way too much noise. We've even tried to use the Apple TV app to keep up, but since it doesn't integrate with Netflix and with shows we might watch on regular TV with our TiVos, we abandoned that whole path. We needed a solution to a few basic questions when we sat down to watch TV. What are we watching? What network is each show on? Which shows are we both watching? And which shows are we watching separately? I think I came up with a solution that works for my two geek family. I'm well aware that most of you may not have, uh, you may be have non-geek family members, but I got to say, I'm not responsible for your life choices if this doesn't work out for you. My solution was to create a database in the freemium application Airtable from Airtable.com. Back in 2018, I told you about Airtable and how it was the first tool to help me really understand how a database is different from a spreadsheet. I showed my TV-watching database to Dave Hamilton of the Mac Geek Ab when he was visiting us a few weeks ago, and he totally did not understand that it wasn't a spreadsheet. It may look a little bit like one, but it's precisely the difference between a database and a spreadsheet that makes Airtable perfect to solve this problem. One of the reasons Airtable works for us is that it runs on everything— runs on our Macs, our iPhones, and my iPads. With an app for every operating system and a web app, if you don't have the app, that gives you easy access from anywhere, and then the information is always at our fingertips. I'd like to walk through how to create what I built and then explain how the database features make it work for us. At Airtable.com, there's a nice plus button that says Add a Base. A base is what they call a database. You can name your base and even add an icon, say, of a TV, and then choose a color to help you tell your bases apart. Airtable uses the concept of views, and we're going to get into that more a little bit later, but these are really important to how it works for TV watching. When you open your new base, it will default to the grid view. 
you'll see columns, which are really called fields, for names, notes, and attachments. You can move around just about anything in Airtable except the name field. That's essentially sacred. That's where we're going to put the names of our TV shows. As an example, I put in Discovery, Deep Space Nine, C, Grey's Anatomy, uh, Silicon Valley, and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's kind of a combination of shows, Steve watches alone, some I watch alone, and a few we watch together. If we decide to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you will 100% of the time hear one of us say, what the heck channel is that on? Obviously, the next field in our database should be the network for each show. Now, if you were building a spreadsheet, you would have to type in the name of the network each time for each entry in the sheet. But with Airtable, we can add fields that take on only specific kinds of information. There's a plus button to add a new field, and for this one, I'm going to choose a single select. There's a little pop-up that tells us this means a predefined set of options will appear in a drop-down. You can add as many options to this list as you like, and by default, they will all be pretty little pastel colors, all different colors, and alphabetized. To populate the network field, we can now just tap through each record, the TV shows by name, and select the appropriate network from the drop-down. If you find it tedious to scroll through your drop-down list, you can simply start typing and it will find the match for you, and you can hit enter and move down. I found on my Mac, I really like to just start typing, but on my iPhone, I prefer to select from a list. Makes it easy that you have all these different options on all devices. Now, creating that field might sound like a lot of work, but you only do that one time. At this point, we already had a database with more information in it than we could hold in our little pea brains, so we were already way ahead. Because this is a database, we can also solve another big problem. Most early evenings, I go up to my studio to either write for the show or do some programming. Steve wants to watch a show, but he doesn't want to watch anything we're watching together. Luckily, he likes a lot of shows that I really don't like, but remembering which ones they are can be hard. I added a field called Who's Watching and made it another single select. The three choices are Steve, Al, or both. It took us maybe three whole minutes to set the option for each show. The next feature of Airtable that will help us in our quest is the concept of filters. By creating the field for Who's Watching, we can can filter the base by those options. But it's boring to keep switching the filter. So if I'm looking at it, do I switch to my filter? When he's doing it, he switches to his? No, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to use the most powerful feature of a database, which is this ability to create and save different ways of viewing the same information. In other words, views. This is what you can't do with a spreadsheet. I explained earlier that when you first create a base, you get the stock view called simply grid view. If you tap on grid view, it's a menu that lets you add new types of views. There's a lot of different view types, but we're just going to make another grid view. And in other words, a view that looks like a spreadsheet, but will reveal only the fields and shows that we want. Let's create a new view and call it Steve. With this view selected, we can start using the buttons across the top of the Airtable interface. One of them is a filter button, and Steve only wants to see the shows he's watching, so we'll start by using that to create a filter. We can tell the base to filter where who's watching is Steve. Instantly, our six TV show example changes to he is now able to discern that he can watch the hideously violent show on Apple TV called C that Allison can't stand. Now, in our real database, of course, he has a lot more shows that he can watch. Let's create a second view, and we'll call it both, setting the filter to be who's watching is both. With our both view, we can see the four shows of the six that we're watching together. 
Anyway, in the real world, this worked so well and was so easy to use that we started thinking about what else it could do for us. Remember, we forget to watch shows or we forget which ones we're actually done with? I created a field called active, where my definition of active was whether the show had content we hadn't seen yet. In this example, many many shows are showing as active because we're they're still on the air, but Andy Griffith is also considered active because we haven't rewatched all seven seasons yet. To create the active field, I chose a simple checkbox. We don't want to bother choosing between active and inactive when a simple click will do. If we want to see shows we're both watching and are active, we can add that as a second filter. At this point, I had everything I wanted, but the proof that Steve loves it is that he added a few more fields. He put in a field for the season number he's on and the episode number he has most recently watched. I knew I'd never keep this kind of data up, but that's the beauty of using a database with views. Airtable lets you hide views, so I don't have to see all the stuff he likes in my view, and he doesn't have to see what I like in his view. Another thing you can change by view is sorting and grouping. In our TV example, let's say you wanted to evaluate whether you really wanted to keep paying for HBO when Game of Thrones was over. You could create a view called By Network and then use the group function on the network field. I just ran that, and I can see that when we are when we finally watched the last episode of Silicon Valley, there's nothing at all left I'm still watching on HBO. I checked Steve's view, and he's still watching several HBO shows, so we'll have to arm wrestle that HBO bill later. This has become such a go-to tool for us that when Steve and Dorothy are sharing notes on sci-fi books and TV shows, if she tells him about something he hasn't seen or a show he was waiting to come back on air like Altered Carbon... He whips out his phone, jumps into our TV air table, and puts in the name of the show. When he gets home, he can fill in the other details at his leisure, but it's captured right when he remembers it. The bottom line is that we found a tool that does just about everything we want. Now when we sit down to watch TV together, we no longer have to try to remember which of the 38 shows we've watched in the last year are still running and wonder which ones we are both watching and we don't have blank stares wondering which network any particular show is on. One of the happiest companies for Apple users is Satechi, and I'm here with Austin Rich, who's going to Austin Rich, yes, who's going to take uh, tell us about a couple of new products you guys have just announced. Yeah, of course. So uh, you just saw our Trio charger, um, which is going to be the design um, phone, watch, and AirPods all together in charging all three. Yes, charging all three, and then we have a 108 watch, 108 watt power charger. So it's going to have a 90-watt PD charge, so it's going to charge up to the 15, 16-inch MacBooks. Woohoo! That's what I want. I know. And then you also got an 18-watt power charge, which is going to be able to power an iPad or any other device that you have. Those are both over USB-C, so that, yes. wow, 100 watts, 108 watts in one charger, that's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so if you just bring one charger with you on your travels, you could charge off your MacBook, iPad, phone, and your headphones, you know. So you've got uh, two extra uh, USB-A ports as well, so that's yep. pretty nice. So what is this one called? Uh, this is going to be our 100 watt power charger. So. And uh, do you have a price point on that yet? Um, it's going to be around eighty dollars. Oh, that's not bad. And yes. uh, when is that available? Um, today. 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 So you just released today. So exciting! All right, now keyboards. I love a good keyboard. What do you got here? Yeah, so our uh, compact backlit keyboard is going to be a little bit smaller design than a full size keyboard. Um, it's going to be our first backlit, and it's going to be able to uh, provide 
um, Bluetooth connectivity to three different devices. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I've seen that with some other keyboards, but they were kind of—they were always janky, plasticky-looking things. Yeah. So ours is aluminum finish, um, sturdy design. Um, it's gonna hold a charge for weeks. Um, it's space gray. It's space gray. So available in space gray. We have a full-size keyboard that's gonna be the same aluminum finish. Uh, we spent two years in the design of the ergonomics of the keys. Um, that one's gonna be. Uh, available in four different finishes. So you've got the standard silver and space gray. And then if you have a you gold, gold, we have right. a gold and rose gold. So that's going to be uh, available in a Bluetooth. So three different devices is on that. And then if you wanted a wired version, um, we do have that available as well. That's fantastic. And what's your price point on that? $79.99 for the Bluetooth and $59.99 for the wired. Sweet. A lot of people really like a wired keyboard. I don't get it, but... Uh... I, Apple, I think, discontinued theirs, so ours has gotten pretty popular. So as far as like Bluetooth connectivity, um, you know, in order to have a secure connection, some people do like the wired version. What's your... Uh, how do you like the keys on them? Actually, I, mean, I know you have to say yes, yeah. but... No, well, ever since joining the company, it's the only keyboard I use at work, so I've actually become a faster typer. Because um, it rather... just feels that good. Yeah, I think just the responsiveness of the keys. I've used Apple's keyboard, and not to knock it, it's just... Um, it's, it's okay. It, it, I just, I don't know, I'm just, I like ours better, <laughs> so <laughs> I may have to say that, that, but... You may have to, but you sound honest when you're saying it. Okay, so if... Um, uh, people want to see the the 100-watt uh, uh, USB charger yes. or your 3-in-1 charger or this uh, keyboard. Where would they go? Yeah, you can go to our website, satachi.net. Um, we have a strong presence on Instagram as well as far as uh, really nice um, design pictures and things like that. So, and How do you spell satachi? S-A-T-E-C-H-I dot net. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the rest of your show. I got to tell you, I want basically everything in the Satechi booth. I just love their design. I love the kinds of problems that they solve. I just love them all. I think I want to get one of those keyboards. I'm trying to convince myself that my Apple uh, Chiclet keyboard is failing. So I have an excuse to get that space gray one with a backlit keyboard. That looks really, really nifty. So I just walked up to Arun Kamachetti. I almost got that. Karamchetti. I was close. Anyway, I just walked up to him and I said, I don't believe in screen protectors. Screen protectors are stupid. And you asked me why. Why do I think that? And I said, well, you know, they're going to feel stupid. It's not going to, it's not going to feel right when I try to use the touchscreen and the edges are going to be weird and it's going to crack and it's going to look bad. And you said, uh, you would accept the challenge to convince me this is, uh, the Diamond Dog is the product that would actually convince me it's a good thing. Absolutely. So I'll start by saying why we think we have a superior product. We have the best product in the market for screen protectors. And the reason being that we give you a, a performance that's as good as Sapphire, but for half the price or less than half the price. That's fighting words there. It absolutely is. And, you know, we have science behind this. So we are a technology company based in Silicon Valley, Intovac. And we have been, uh, you know, in the thin film space, making, uh, you know, technology coatings and, and products for the hard disk drive, the solar industry for many years. And we bring one of our proprietary coatings, what's known as a diamond-like carbon coating, which has been used in the hard disk drive industry. And we brought that to the, uh, to the display glass, except what we did now was that we made that coating transparent. So it, it gives you the performance benefits that it doesn't scratch and abrade. And it's clear at the same time. You can't see it. It's like a few nanometers thick. It's on top of the glass. So you challenged me here. We've got a, a piece of, uh, of the Diamond Dog glass here right. on, yeah. on a uh, mock phone. Right. And uh, why don't you hold the microphone? Absolutely. Here? You told me I can try to scratch this with this uh, 
very large screw, and I will confirm that I'm not going to poke myself with that. That is very sharp, and I am scratching out here. I am not getting anything on that. That is not even close to scratching. It. Holy cow! I am. I am. I'm going at it. I am making. I am making no marks in that. That's okay. That's All right. Impressive. All right. That's impressive. Okay. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give you that point. All right. So talk to me about the feel of it when it's on a phone. Yeah. So we have tested it on multiple devices and. Uh, it is, it's as pristine as having, it. I mean, basically, the touch sensitivity is the same whether you have the screen protector or you don't, right? And it we doesn't impact uh, face ID or anything no, no, no. like that? Absolutely not, right? Yeah. So I think the, these, yeah. the form factor that we chose makes sure that we don't interfere with the face ID. So it's going to be uh, within the glass and underneath the uh, the face the face detection camera. All right. So uh, you're going to challenge me. And you're going to put one. We're going to put one of these on my phone, and I'll uh, I'll review it on my show. Okay. I'll but give you one to for you to install it, and uh, we have a QR code here for you to go to like the installation video, and we have steps inside. We also have this uh, handy installation uh, guide alignment guide. Oh, as part of the package, which makes installation very easy. All right, what about bubbles? Am I going to get bubbles under the glass? You're not going to get bubbles. Even if you do, there is ways for you to address it so they it, it goes away. Because I've never seen a screen protector that didn't have a bubble under right. my last... If you follow the instructions to the dot, you should not see bubbles, but in case you do, they will go away. I promise you. All right, well, uh, my husband's very anal, and he can do this kind of thing, so I'll have him put it on. Excellent. He'll enjoy doing that. But uh, so... The product is called Diamond Dog, Diamond Dog. and uh, where would people find it? Uh, you can currently find it on our website, mydiamonddog.com, and uh, pretty soon we'll be on the Amazon store as well. All right. That's, oh, uh, what's your price point on this? It's $29.99, and comes with a limited lifetime warranty, so if you ever damage it or something happens to it, Oh, that's interesting because I see people walking around with cracked screen protectors right. for like four months right. and I'm like, well, that looks terrible. In the unlikely case of a cracked screen protector, reach, reach out to us. So I don't know if $29 is worth saving a $1,200 phone. I, that's not it's worth it. Right? Right? Yes, yes. All right. Thank you very much, Erwin. This is, uh, I take this challenge and I will report back to the Nocilla Castaways on Excellent. This. Looking you. forward to it. Thank you. Well, I got to tell you guys. I put on that Diamond Dog screen protector, and I still have it on. It's been a few weeks, and uh, it's really nice. The uh, The things that amaze me about it is that it really does feel like the original sapphire glass. I absolutely don't notice it's on in, in that way at all. The you know, Moving your finger around, touching it feels great. I can feel a little bit of the ledge when I swipe up from the bottom. So that's probably the only way that I even remember that I've got the Diamond Dog uh, screen protector on. Um, I had somebody over, I think it was Pat Dengler came over to the house and I, I went and got a screwdriver and started tapping on the front of my screen. I mean, there's no scratches. There's nothing on it. This thing looks gorgeous. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks, but you know, it looks uh, it looks really good and it feels good. So if you're looking for a screen protector, I think the Diamond Dog screen protector is the only one uh, I've ever seen that I, I really like. Now, I haven't dropped my phone or anything like that to see if it would save it, but uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I have to say, I don't think all screen protectors are stupid. Well, that is going to wind up a very lonely session of uh, recording the live show. I guess it's not really live if it's just me here, but I'm here. Anyway, that's going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, suggestions, and reviews like uh, Craig Passman did. You could do that by emailing me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at podfeet. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. 
You want to become a, a patron? Would you like to become your first forty uh, percent representative of your country, region, or town? You can do that by going to podfee.com/patreon. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can go to podfee.com/paypal. If you want to join the conversation, we are having a lot of fun over in our Slack community at podfee.com/slack. You can even find Bart in there talking about security and programming. If you are more of the Facebook persuasion, we have fun over there too at podfeet.com slash Facebook. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show most Sunday nights, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.